Hey everybody, it's Sunday, March 23rd, 2014. Hope you're having a great day. And for this episode, we're going to switch gears a little bit and move across the pond, as they say in the US. Uh, head over to Europe, where we're going to talk about cross-border e-commerce. And the origins of this episode really started about a couple of months ago for me, when I sent a wallet to a friend in the Czech Republic. And when he got it, he had to pay almost twice the declared value of VAT and import duties. And that kind of opened the complicated world of just cross-border e-commerce for me. And so today, I've got Glenn Richardson, a CMO over at Frugo, where we're going to talk about selling between different countries in Europe, uh, maybe even in Asia, and kind of his perspective on offering e-commerce in different languages, uh, different currencies as a platform operator. So hope you guys enjoy it. And a couple updates on my side. Uh, most of my energies now has been focused over on ballerleather.com. Uh, the site's been up for a while. I've been making sales here and there. And really the next stage is kind of figuring out the sales funnel, really the top level side, uh, getting awareness, getting traffic. And so in kind of in terms of that that space, I'll be working on some YouTube stuff, kind of a YouTube video blog. Uh, I'll probably make a post about this sometime. Uh, you know, if you see the Facebook page uh, on our site, uh, I posted some pictures about how we're getting set up now. So uh, I'll keep you guys posted and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Don't deliver a product, deliver an experience. You're listening to the Build My Online Store podcast, and I'm your host, Terry Lin. We're here to talk about running an online store and building a strong e-commerce brand to take your online store to the next level. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com. Let's get on with the show. All right, very cool. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today, I've got Glenn Richardson, CMO over at frugo.com, where we're going to talk about uh, European e-commerce, kind of a new thing for me. Uh, certainly, Glenn's an expert. So, welcome to the show, Glenn. Yeah, thanks very much, Terry. It's a pleasure. All right, Glenn. So, uh, look, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what Frugo does. Um, well, I'm, as you said, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Frugo, um, and I'm a e-commerce enthusiast and have been um, using and building e-commerce sites uh, for for many many years uh, since back in probably the early 90s actually. Uh, so uh, frugo.com uh, is an incredibly exciting startup that, that began back in 2006 and we're a global marketplace. So much like um, Amazon and eBay, we are a marketplace that enables retailers to sell products. Um, but we're very different in the fact that we bring the world's products to the world's shoppers. And we enable retailers to sell in different languages, so we do that automatically, and different currencies. Again, we do that automatically. Um, and I'm pleased to say that over uh, three uh, three quarters of all of our um, orders are cross-border um, and cross-currency. Uh, so we, we are kind of solving a huge problem that shoppers wanted to be solved, which is how do you buy from a different country safely and in your own language and currency. Interesting. And when customers buy, say, like a lamp in London, is it on frugo.co.uk or is it like their own domain? Uh, well, the uh, we have 23 different sites in 23 different countries. So if you visit frugo.com, it will direct you to wherever you happen to be in the world. Uh, so if you're in Russia, it will go to frugo.ru, or if you're in Germany, for instance, it will go to frugo.de. And then the whole site is translated into your language. All prices are in your currency. So if you're in Canada, it will be Canadian dollars, um, or if you're in Germany, it will be euros, etc. Um, so we have 10 currencies um, and 11 languages. So if I'm a merchant selling my own, say, wallets, how would I use a service like Frugo if I want to sell internationally? Because right now, like I'm on BigCommerce, 
I, or Shopify, whatever, I can set zones, shipping zones, right? I would have to ship it from a warehouse, say in the US, to London, Czech Republic, or wherever, right? So how does kind of Frugo fit into that in the, in the player space? Sure, so we have many different integrations with key players who are very multi-channel focused. So um, a handful of which um, you may have heard of, Linworks, who is an inv- inventory management company. They manage inventory. Um, and through Linworks, you can publish your products onto Frugo and specify the countries that you wish to ship to. Um, and another one that actually we're about to go live with very soon is Channel Grabber. Um, and they effectively uh, allow retailers to sell in uh, multiple uh, multiple channels, including Frugo and, and others in different countries. Uh, so our our key focus is is enabling retailers to sell in different countries. But the the retailer takes care of the logistics part, right? So we we are only the uh, the platform that allows shoppers to buy. So we're transactional. Um, we're not a price comparison site. Um, you can put items in your basket from different retailers from different countries in 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 one website in one checkout um, and all the orders go to the retailers and they fulfill those orders oh i see i see so the it's just like a platform to make international transactions easier absolutely yeah because the thing is you if you're somebody that enjoys trading cross-border and there are many people that do um because you may have heard of a trend of a particular product in a particular country and you want to buy that product right so um you want a really easy way of buying that product uh, through one site um in 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 one language and in one currency. Because the problem is, if you buy from a website that displays prices in pounds, if you're British, for instance, and then you actually get down to it, into the checkout, and actually you're putting your credit card details in, it may display the uh, currency uh, differently. It may be in euros, or it may be in dollars, because the site was purely just kind of translating the, the currency, kind of like a rough guess. But actually, when it comes off your card, there'll be a foreign exchange fee applied from your credit card company. And you're actually not going to pay the price that you thought you were going to pay. But whereas with Frugo, it isn't just a display price. It is actually the price that will come off your debit card or PayPal account or whatever um, payment method you wish to use, like Ideal or Carte Bleur or uh, Carte Bon Care. And then are they billed locally uh, without the foreign exchange fee? Yeah, so it's it's as if they're um, buying from a local website, but actually they're buying from a retailer potentially on the other side of the planet. I see. So essentially, if I sell my own wallets, I can go to Frugo and say, "Hey, I want to list my products there." But if I see customers in London, I can say, "Hey, buy off Frugo dot uh, you, you know, no transaction fees. It'll be in the right currency. Or if another country that's language that's different, there's the friction that's right there. Well, exactly. Yeah, you you you've got it spot on, and. Retailers seldom look at their um, at, at where their customers are coming from, and, and tend to focus on traffic from countries that convert. So you may actually find that I don't know, ten percent of your visitors come from a country that that speak a completely different language, and they're not buying from you. But that's because people don't buy from websites that aren't in a language that you can understand. I mean, okay, English is one of those weird languages because most countries um, generally are able to speak it or it's a second or third language. Um, I mean, but for instance, let's say we have a retailer that publishes their products in Dutch. Then we enable all of those Dutch products to be read in um, different languages. So say I got someone to buy a product off 
uh, frigo.co.uk. How does the logistics backend work? Like if I send my product to them, is there like a fulfillment center I can send it to you guys to store it there or do I send it out on my own uh, supply chain here? In terms of our blue sky thinking in the future, um, then perhaps one day we may have a fulfillment service. But right now, um, the retailer takes care of the fulfillment. But what we do have is two methods that retailers can collect their orders in terms of the data, like the address, um, the, the name of the shopper, um, the, the product that they want to buy, all of the t- kind of the data that they need to fulfill the order. So there's two ways. One, API integration. So we, we directly give them the data into their database. So it means that they can fulfill the order just like they would fulfill it through their than everyday web shop uh, kind of management tools. Yeah. All right, so this leads me in kind of like my second question here. So kind of like talk about the landscape of e-commerce in Europe, like in the US, you know, Amazon's the big giant. Uh, they pretty much run everything there. And then you have solopreneurs who have their own dot-coms that can be really successful. And you also have like shopping engines, like overstock.com, Tiger Direct. So how does that look like in Europe across like all these countries? Is there like a central, platform like Amazon or does everyone kind of just every each country has their own platform or like what's the breakdown? Amazon is a force to be reckoned with. It's interesting because when retailers ask us how we compare to Amazon in terms of size, um, I draw quite a quick analogy and say imagine a beach now now with lots of sand, now pick up one grain of sand, then that's Frugo and the beach is Amazon. So you know Amazon are huge. I mean, you know, whilst we've been talking, um, they have probably done the uh, the equivalent of what we will do today um, in terms of orders uh, very easily. So we are, you know, we're very small in comparison to, to Amazon. And I would say that Amazon definitely are one of the most dominant forces in Europe. But having said that, Amazon aren't agnostic when it comes to retailers. And let me give you an example of this. Uh, let's say you're in uh, Germany. So you go to Amazon.de and you search for a product. So I think the example you gave earlier was a lamp, right? So uh, let's say I search for a lamp, then all of the, the search results will be for retailers in Germany. Now, the difference with Frugo is that when you search for a lamp on Frugo, we're agnostic. We don't care where the retailer is. We will. We care about what you are looking for more than where the retailer is based. When we say we we have different countries, so 23 countries, it's not like in country, let's say Russia, for instance, um, we, we don't just, you know, show products from retailers in Russia. We show products from all of our retailers, from all of our countries, whoever will ship to Russia. So that, that's kind of the, the big difference. And, and I know that you, in terms of the landscape in Europe, I would say that, that Frugo are without a doubt one of the uh, beginning to be one of the most dominant forces for cross-border because we are completely focused on being agnostic to retailer and shopper. Um, so y- you never know. We, we could have this call again, Terry, in, in five years, and we may be um, taking up one uh, more than one grain of sand on that beach. <laughs> we, may, we, have a, we may have a bucket full. Who knows? Yeah, awesome. You know, one thing that brings me to the topic is that if I'm like a brand owner and I tell someone to buy off like a frugo.co.uk, is there some friction there? Because customers, maybe they trust my .com already, but then to have them to go on another platform, maybe register a new account. Is there, is there, have you seen any challenges with that angle? We're not marketing to the shoppers of 
existing retailers. So the, the deal here is, isn't come on through, go tell your customers that we exist. Um, our, our job is to acquire new shoppers, shoppers that don't already buy from them. Um, so they, they come to Frugo, they experience Frugo, they love Frugo, they have a great customer service experience. We answer all customer service inquiries the same day, um, which is actually, uh, according to Zendesk's benchmark, we're, we're actually better than the rest of the industry. Um, so we, our kind of, part in all of this is to acquire the shopper in a country that would have otherwise been very difficult to acquire that shopper in. And actually, Terry, probably the biggest reason that our larger retailers come onto Frugo is to, do, to find out about the market. So they see it as like an innovation test bed, you know, some kind of like sandbox. So let's put our top 100 products on there, perhaps, or, you know, some people have SKUs of like, you know, over 100,000 and say, well, okay, we'll put 10,000 products on. And then they can quickly discover which products sell well in different countries. So they're like, well, okay, we were going to go into Germany and we had a big budget for it. But actually, according to Frugo now, the Australia is actually our key market. So thank goodness we went on to Frugo before spending all the money um, to, to enter the market in, in Germany because we've just discovered which country is actually the best country for us. Let me move on to a little different topic here. So, you know, one thing I noticed is that shipping products to Europe, every country has their own VAT, like EU probably has something. Like I sent a wallet to a friend in the Czech Republic. I think on the customs forms I wrote, it was like $47. And then he ended up paying like $50 in VAT. And I was like, what? Like, I had no idea how this works. So like very general across the board, like what have been the biggest issues you've seen people like expanding into Europe from say, uh, North America or Canada? Well, that, that is a, a very complicated topic that our system solves automatically. So we, we, we hold all of the VAT rates for all of the different countries um, and currently on a product level, sorry, on a, on a category level, we're actually about to move to, to product level. Um, so if you're, um, if you're a retailer um, and you're selling, I don't know, let's say you're selling 40,000 euros um, and you're selling to Denmark, then in Denmark, um, you would have to be VAT registered. So you'd have to have a VAT registration in Denmark. So each, each and every single country has a different fresh, uh, threshold. So, for example, the threshold in the United Kingdom is, is actually £70,000 or €85,000. So as soon as you exceed that amount, you have to have a UK VAT registration code. So if you're doing well, and the goal, of course, for retailers cross-border is to, to be exceeding these thresholds, of course, because otherwise they wouldn't be doing it, then these retailers need to have VAT registration numbers in those different countries, which it sounds complicated but it actually isn't very easy to set up a, a, VAT, a VAT number but but many retailers don't actually some retailers don't even know you have to do that which which is quite interesting this is a really big grey area Terry because again many retailers don't fully understand the implications of um, you know duty that needs to be paid in different um, countries uh, the big problem is that you need what's called an HS code um, on a product and, and that specifies um, lots of different um things about the product um, for instance when when was the last value add to that product for instance and the HS code dictates how much needs to be paid um, going through customs and I haven't yet to meet a retailer who, who actually puts HS codes next to products in their database I, I mean I'm sure there are I'm sure the, the top tier retailers um, do uh, but many retailers that I speak to don't and they rely upon the courier to put the HS code onto their box and quite often, the HS code is wrong. And actually, in a lot of cases, um, either shoppers are paying far too much or not paying anything at all because it hasn't been declared properly. So it, it's a big problem that needs to be solved. 
one of which we are contemplating at the moment um, and spending a lot of time um, thinking about this particular issue and how we could potentially solve it um, because we're positioned in such a way that we that we that we could do. Uh, so I guess watch this space in in that regard, and it might take the form of some kind of calculator as like estimated um, customs fees, for instance, um, or it might take the you know the form of a fully landed price, uh, which includes the delivery and also all fees that um, are associated with with trading cross-border interesting yeah and for those who didn't catch SHS because it's basically like a classification on a product category like say uh, chairs will have a certain code tables have a code and then each country has its own import duties based on this kind of standardized version of uh, whatever code but I think it gets complicated where if I say buy material from China but made it in Vietnam and like they have a tax-free treaty with someone else, that's where it kind of gets a little complicated too, right? Now, China's an interesting one because it's a market that we, um, again, have spent a lot of time thinking about and we're currently not not in. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're quite right. It's a very, very complicated area. Yeah, yeah, but that's for another topic. <laughs> yeah, so let's go into Frugo a little bit. So how does Frugo's backend figure this out? Like say, if I list my product on Frugo, and there's VAT in Czech Republic. Do I see this on the backend API or does the customer see that or how does that work? Um, every price that appears on Frugo is, a, is like a spot price there and then calculated on the fly. So the price doesn't sit in the database. We have a cost calculator and a VAT engine um, that figures all this out and displays the price according to what needs to be charged. So the uh, it isn't a fully landed price, as in if there's any uh, fees that need to be paid through customs, it, you know, it doesn't include that amount. But uh, not all, you know, for instance, with the EU, um, you know, you don't have to pay that. It's it's only when you're, you know, trading to say Australia or the US or faraway countries that that will um, levy customs fees. So it really it really de- does depend on the country that you're shipping to. Um, but the the price that we display. As far as um, including uh, VAT, uh, shipping, and everything else, it's all fully inclusive. And so, say you know, I got my product sold. You know, I'm collecting money. You know, I'm selling five thousand in Russia, ten thousand in UK, like another twenty thousand in Germany. Like, how do I end up collecting all this money? Is it in like euros? Like, do I need to exchange this FX myself, or how does that work? Or, or I guess before that, how do most people do it right now? Like before we get into how Frugo does it, just so there's a kind of a landscape set up here okay well um let's because we keep on talking about amazon and and um i think that's quite a good example um so my understanding of the way that they work is they will pay you in the currency that you're trading in so if you're a uk retailer and you're selling to germany then you'll be paid in euros and uh Again, my understanding is that you have to set up a local bank account or at least a, a trading account that allows you to accept euros. Um, so it becomes quite difficult uh, if you're trading cross-border, um, which is which leads to, on to a, a fantastic plug, Terry, to Frugo because we always pay the retailer in their currency regardless of the transaction. So if you're um, a UK retailer, you will always get paid in pounds regardless of whoever buys on Frugo and in what currency. You always get the price that you asked for um, in your currency. So what? how does you guys deal with, like, say, currency fluctuations, if there's any, like, say, like, big news events, like, you know, what's going on in Russia now? I don't know if that's affecting the currency, but I'm sure things like that always have an impact. Right? Oh, of course, yeah. And um, uh, we, we take that risk. And um, on occasion, we may gain slightly. And on occasion, we will lose. But overall, we, we, it evens out that we, that we actually get, um, you know, the, effectively, there isn't really any risk for us. 
Um, but our our VAT engine is live, and our uh, our currency engine is completely live as well. Um, so again, when I say that the spot price. Um, you know, when you visit Frugo, it, it is literally the price. Now, the only problem with this, however, is let's say um, you have a product that that does well. If it's something like nine ninety five, then when it gets translated into a different currency, it doesn't turn out to be quite a nice figure that that sounds good and works in terms of marketing. Um, so we've been we've been talking internally for you know about how we can do. Uh, kind of price pointing and, and and allow retailers to display prices in different currencies that kind of um, make more sense from a marketing perspective. Um, but the thing is, it hasn't been a barrier for us, and it definitely hasn't um, put shoppers off from buying us. I think there's actually there's a lot of um, because of the transparency of of Frugo. I think it's quite honest. You know, you're visiting Frugo, and it's like, well, actually, you know, that price kind of makes sense. Do you see what I mean? Because it's kind of like that is an accurate price. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that because I'm here in Vietnam, and like a bowl of noodles is probably like twenty five thousand to thirty thousand dong, which sounds crazy, but that's actually only like a dollar. But then, like, you eat like a coffee that's like ten pounds. That's like super expensive. Um, it, it's interesting because. Um, we we actually have quite a low market share in terms of shoppers in Germany. Um, I think currently our market share is about four percent. I mean, it is growing, and we're spending a bit more time in Germany. Um, but but Germany actually, there's a huge desire for retailers to trade cross border. So we're actually finding that Germany is now one of the biggest growing countries for us in terms of um, retailers wanting to trade cross border. And one of the biggest things is that the products in Germany, uh, there are many products that are significantly cheaper if you buy from Germany than you would buy from, say, the Netherlands. So, and it really depends on each category. Um, and again, I think sports is one I mentioned earlier. Sports does particularly well in, in Australia because, um, you know, we have many retailers who sell products in the UK that are kind of like good, a good price. But when you translate that price um, to Australian dollars, um, it, it's incredibly keen uh, because there aren't any retailers who are selling it at that price in Australia. Um, so there are there are products that do just particularly well in particular countries because it's just cheaper in that country. And so, how is Amazon set up across these different countries? Do they have their own? I know, I know there's a dot co dot uk, but is that the same in continental Europe too, or just everything shipped out of the UK? Side? Um, what how the fulfilled by Amazon works, or the yeah, or, or I guess their buying platform? Because I know you guys have a local language website in each country. Right? Is Amazon in a similar setup too, or do they just do running everything out of the UK site? Um, they have a very similar uh, setup in terms of how they work, and they offer some similar services as well. Um, I, I guess that they, they they're not um, in as many countries as we are in terms of allowing retailers to trade cross border. Um, so I guess that's the key differentiator for us. And we are going to expand more and more countries each and every single year. Uh, so we could be in a position this time next year that we're in, say, 40 countries as opposed to 23. Um, so that's, that is kind of our key USP, being agnostic to retailer and shopper um, and just bringing the world's products to the world's shoppers is our mission. Yeah, so where do you see things trending? Because I think right now you have like the big multinationals who can afford to set up locally in each country. And then on the other end, you have like the solopreneur, like me and my listener base, where kind of we have our own dot coms, but maybe we'll just ship internationally instead of having like a kind of like a frugo in the intermediary. So where do you th see things like where do you see things going in like three to five years? Well, I mean, I, I think the level field is, is being leveled. And I think the days where the home advantage was was very very clear is is definitely going to be less and less. Um, so, you know, shoppers 
in the main prefer to buy in their um, local country. I mean, it's just a fact because um, they they just have a lot more security. They feel that it's uh, more authentic, um, especially because of the language and also the, the the currency. So with you know with Frugo, for instance. Um, because we are kind of making international feel local, um, we are giving shoppers the confidence to buy cross-border um, in, in the exact same experience that they would have with a local e-commerce site. So um, I, I believe that we are you know, leading a revolution of cross-border. And I think that um, you know, Frugo are going to change the landscape of shopping. And so over the next five years, I believe um, that the, the home advantage will be, like I say, uh, won't be quite as important as it used to be. And because of services like Pinterest and social media, products and trends become available immediately. You know, it used to be that a fad, the US, you know, it would go on for six months and eventually somebody would go out there, strike up the deal to get sole distributorship in the UK. And then, you know, 12 months later, it might become a fad in the UK. But, you know, the Americans are like, yeah, that's so yesterday. But now a trend could start right now, this very second, as we're talking. And at the end of the day, there could be somebody on the other side of the planet also buying that product because they saw it on social media, uh, a viral video, on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever it might be. So the world has changed and it's getting smaller and smaller every single yeah, day. I see. That totally makes sense because like like you said, trends can happen within a day. I can talk to a friend, like you're in London now, we never even met. But like if I send, send something to you, there's like this huge friction in between to like get my product at the post office, figure out the HS code, like fill out the value of it, make sure it's a sample, like no regulations, like I can't ship batteries over the plane apparently now. Like, there's all this stuff that like I think where you guys are kind of coming in and just like making it level. Like, yeah, absolutely. And cross-border shoppers are really interesting people because, you know, they they see themselves as revolutionists. You know, they're changing the world one transaction at a time. They're really savvy and they're just not impulsive. You know, they, um, they, they want to research and find different sites and prices and reviews. Um, you know, they prefer availability over speed. You know, they're more interested in getting the size of the product right or the shape or the color. Um, than the actual speed of delivery. Um, and they are trendsetters and not imitators. They want to be one of the first to to have that product in their hands. Uh, so it, it's interesting because, as I said, 75% of all of our trade is cross-border. So we're, we're just seeing totally different types of shoppers come through our shop than perhaps you know other web shops are experiencing because of you know their local drive, as it were. Mm-hmm, I see. And so for Frugo's kind of client base, is there like a certain profile that works well with you guys? Like for someone that's thinking about cross-border selling, is there like a a certain customer you kind of target or a retailer? I would say that we fit firmly in the probably I call it a tier two. So tier one being your companies that spend an awful lot of money on above the line marketing, TV advertising, billboards, um, etc. Uh, and then you have your tier two retailers that do really really well online, have a, an online reputation, um, but they you know they're not a household name. So I would say that the majority of our retailers are firmly in the tier two. But having said that, we're seeing a lot more tier three. So your startups and your smaller retailers that are growing, um, and equally on the other side of the scale, we are seeing the tier ones starting to come through as well. But the tier ones are a completely different, um, you know, kettle of fish. They uh, very careful. 
Um, in some instances, they, they don't particularly want to trade under their main brand name. They might set up a different company name, for instance, because they don't want to kind of dilute their existing brand. Um, so for, for bigger retailers, it's kind of like, well, I, I want to sell on Frugo because I want to know about um, what products do well. I don't necessarily want to increase my revenue. The tier two are kind of, well, we need the revenue to grow. And the, the tier three, um, you know, they just want to start shipping products. So we kind of, you know, we hit the sweet spot of all of those. And I suppose the, the smaller retailers, they love Frugo because um, we have international payment methods as well, which means that they don't have to pay for the integration cost of, say, Ideal um, or, let's say, uh, Carta Boncaire um, or Nordia or uh, Carta Bleu or any of the inter kind of international payment methods. Um, so for them, uh, you know, Frugo really represents uh, a great opportunity for them. Yeah, awesome. And so when you look at like the tier one, tier two, tier three retailers, if you assign a percentage to each one of them as your customer base, like what would that pie kind of look like in a very general sense? I mean, uh, a tier two would be 90% very, very easily. Uh, tier three, probably, uh, probably 8% and uh, tier one, probably 2%. I see. And when you say tier two and tier three, like on a revenue scale, would tier three be like under half a million and tier two would be that and above or what kind of like a business size always would be looking at that? Yeah, I mean, we, we're talking tier three is, is kind of, I would say, um, their own web shop turnover, you know, sub one million. Um, and then your tier twos are kind of one million to maybe, you know, as high as maybe 30 million. Um, and then your, your, your tier ones are... This multinational is huge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. So tier twos really are the guys that say they have a big brand in their home market, you know, they're pretty big scale, and they're just looking for new places to get into, is from what it sounds like. Yeah, so, so tier one, big retailers, tier two, smaller retailers, kind of medium retailers, tier three, small retailers. So, um, you know, you're, the, the smaller retailers typically are just trying to find a way to get to market. They just want a route to market. And, uh, you know, it, you know, Frugo represents a great channel. And the thing is, um, I have heard um, of other marketplaces um, that, are, you know, are trying to, to push themselves in that local market. Um, but I've spoken to retailers and they're just simply not getting orders. You know, we we have a very, um, you know, I guess a small pool of retailers um, that do very very well on Frugo, and we uh, we only accept VAT registered businesses, which th that's probably one of the reasons why we don't get the smaller retailers coming through. Um, and we we do you know some checks due diligence because it's our name on the line. It's it's very difficult to to be the marketplace because we are effectively like a concierge department. We we're the we're the ones that deal with everything from uh, consumer law, localization, VAT, language, uh, advertising, distribution, customer service, payment methods, currency, fraud. You know the, the whole shebang. Interesting, because like. As a retailer, I don't want to go to each country and sign up for their platform and then figure it out like where you guys can just kind of figure that out for me where you have the platform ready in like multiple languages and countries too. So yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah, precisely. You know, and we're, we're on top of the consumer law, uh, which is which I think for a lot of um, retailers is incredibly important because, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of changes, especially in the EU Consumer Rights Directive, um, which is going to give, uh, you know, consumers much stronger rights when they're buying online. Um, and of course, you know, as, as a, as a cross-border and international uh, e-commerce platform, we have to be completely abreast of everything that's going on. Yeah. And so as you guys get customers in local markets, how are you guys acquiring the end customer there? Because that's one of your value propositions. It is. Um, 
we don't do any above the line. It's all below the line. So if uh, below the line marketing would be uh, SEO and online marketing, for instance. Uh, so we do quite a bit of online marketing. Um, I don't know. I, I challenge you to go and find a product on Free Go Random Product, um, then search for that in Google, um, and the chances are it will be number one in Google Shopping, or at least on the first page of Google Shopping. Uh, so we publish all of our products into Google Shopping. Um, we do a lot of AdWords campaigns. Uh, we we list our products in international kind of uh, price comparison sites. If we have retailers that do particularly well price wise. We're, we're just starting to do some great email marketing. Um, there's, there's a company called Intillery that we're working with at the moment that do like the browse and abandoned emails, um, uh, abandoned cart emails, um, you know, you know, offers based on certain activities on the site and, and all sorts of really cool stuff. So email marketing is becoming um, a lot more important for us. Uh, but it's about doing it intelligently as opposed to just hosing your whole database of people that have opted in. It's about telling them at the right point when they want to hear that information or that offer. Mm -hmm, I see. And then for the local shopper, he can buy something on their own language, use the local payments, no FX charge and customer service in their own language too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you if you're a retailer and you want us to get um, if you want to get products, uh, you want to get business from another country, then uh, like for instance France, um, you have to list in Google your products if you're advertising in French. Really? Full stop. That's so, that's so French. Yep. And sorry to all the French people yeah, listening. That's so French. that's so French. And actually, <laughs> a, a bit of a bit of insight for you. Um, the the, the the French uh, raise uh, raise probably the the most tickets. Uh, I guess the UK is probably the most, um, but then the, the French. Um, and actually, we uh, we there's probably more uh, there's more care needed for French shoppers than any other shopper worldwide. Um, so when we have um, a French shopper that has got an inquiry, uh, we we are very careful to ensure that they. Uh, you know they're, they're, they're dealt with, uh, with with care, um, and because we know that they they'll probably ask more questions and raise more tickets than than anyone else. Um, so yeah, the French very difficult uh, to deal with, but they're a pleasure to come to Frugo, and we welcome them with open arms. Yeah. That's crazy because Google has an index; they don't really own the internet. I mean, they're the biggest search engine, but they don't represent the whole internet. So why would you be required by law to list theirs? That doesn't really make sense, but <laughs> I mean, well, there's, there's a lot of laws in in France about listing products. Actually, on the high street, um, in in French, it, very interesting. I, I challenge you to go and have a look at some of the laws to do with French retailing. Um, it's very, uh, you know, very in depth. So, so let's wrap things up here because I've got some construction going on next door, and you got to work for the workday. So, you know, where can we find you, and how can we connect with you online? Uh, well, uh, me personally, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, so that's Glenn with one N, G-L-E-N, underscore Richardson. So if you can follow me on Twitter. Feel free to, to hook up with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find Frugo on frugo.com. So that's F-R-U-U-G-O. So that's two U's. Dot com, and then the site will redirect you to wherever you want to be. And um, if you are a retailer, then you can simply just go to frugo.com forward slash go global. And you can set up on Frugo very quickly and easily and you could be trading as quickly as 24 hours. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Glenn, for joining us and thank you, listener, for tuning in. If you guys want to find out more about Frugo and kind of cross-border e-commerce, especially in Europe or across the world, uh, frugo.com. And uh, Glenn, we'll keep in touch when this goes live and thanks for coming on the show. No problem, Terry. Thanks very much for your time. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.